You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to Ironcast, one of the stars of the 80s. 165 league games for the Hammers from 85 to 1990. It's Mark Ward. Welcome to Ironcast, Wardy. Thanks, Chris. James. 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 <laughs> James. <laughs> it's good to have you on. Um, oh, man, this, the, that 80s West Ham team was just full of characters yeah. and I can't wait to get into <clears> it. But it's interesting your, your kind of trajectory as a footballer because you started at, at Everton but you were basically yeah. rejected and they told you you were too small. And you, had, and you dropped into non-league and you, be, you got a job at a bakery. I don't know how many West Ham fans would know that. Yeah, so what were you in charge of in the bakery? I was, uh, they just made the job for me because uh, obviously I went to Northwich when Everton let me go at 18. They said I would never be big enough, strong enough or quick enough to, to, be, to play at the top level. I'm still not big enough. <laughs> but I did work at me, you know, me, me strength and then I got, I got a lot quicker in them two years that I was at Northwich, but Roberts Baker used to sponsor the sponsor the the club, so I was always threatening to leave until the, in, unless they got me a job, and they got me a job counting the trays because they were all get going missing throughout the year. So I used to have to uh, just count all the trays that were going on all on all the lorries with all the bread, and then <laughs> sit, in the, sit in the canteen eating donuts. Brilliant. <laughs> did you uh, when you got released from Everton, mate? Did it did it affect you? Was it a oh, big yeah. big knock? Yeah, it was it uh, because I knew. It, I knew I had the ability. It was just my physique. You know what I mean? I was I was only like nine stone. So, you know, this previous season, I just won a played of the tournament in, in uh, Groningen. And it was an under-19 tournament. So I scored the winner. So they had to sign me as a pro because it was some, there were some special players in that tournament. Cumin uh, played. Um, some of the big Italian players. There was a, a, the two English teams at Everton and Ipswich. And we won it, scored the winner. And so they had to... I think if I hadn't done what I did in that tournament, they wouldn't have signed me because they were against having like small plays, really. Mm. That's the way it was in them days. Yeah, so, how much did it fight getting told you're, you're not going to be tall enough, you're quick enough, whatever? How much did that kind of spur you on and fire you up to prove everybody wrong? Well, it was, you know, obviously I went back to Everton years later, but 
I just I just knew me, myself that I had to you know give it a, a go and, and I needed a platform and the only club that came in for me was Northwich. When when I got the telegram to the house, I read it quickly and I and I was just desperate to stay in the league. I said, Dad, Dad, I've got a trial with Norwich. I didn't look <laughs> properly, <laughs> and he went, "It's Northwich." I said, "Where's that?" He said, "It's only half an hour away." So, but it was a great learning curve for me, and I've always said this: the two years at non-league level made me a player. Hmm. You know, I, I think if it had stayed at Everton in the reserves, because the next youngest was twenty-eight. And there was joiners, brickies, insurance, you know, guys, teachers, all good players. And I played at Wembley the first season in the FA Trophy. So, and the lads all looked after me and I really improved. That Northwich Victoria, you mentioned it there, you got to the FA Trophy final in 1983, but you got taken out early doors. Yeah. And I imagined a pacey, tricky winger like yourself oh. in non-league. You're a marked man, surely. You're getting taken down all the time. Would that be the case? I, th I always remember, well, that game, because I was, I was crying with frustration because he'd done me proper, you know what I mean? It didn't go off, but I was, my leg was, was gone. But classic kind of halfway. Yeah. It, 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 it was one of them. He's, he's the dangers. Yeah. Take him out. You know what I mean? He'd be sent off now, but in them days, it was like. I can imagine him being a player that probably played similar to myself, was he? <laughs> <laughs> a bit, yes. bit of a thug. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, took me right out in there. I, I remember I was that disappointed. I never went up for my medal. And I got oh, really? in a lot of trouble for that. Uh, I just uh, was that just stormed off the off the the pitch. But uh, I got into the England non-league side and played played a couple of games for them. So, but Northwich was a great experience for me. I'm just going to go back to what Chris said there. Do you think that, like you said, that did you get more physical playing in the lower leagues? Did you toughen up a little bit? And, yeah. And, and you know, you know, like the the next youngest was 28, and I was only 18, and. Uh, my, my two centre-halves was Jeff Forshaw, he was the joiner, and Kenny Jones, he'd been there 15 years. Kenny's arms, was, was just like, he was just a stocky. Jeff, they were a partnership on the pitch. They worked together, they drunk together, they done everything together. And it was like, you could see they read each other so, so much. And that was the backbone of the team, that them two, they were there. And no one messed around with them. You know, I remember getting bullied in, in a lot of the games, especially against Barnes, we played Barnes. I was a midfield player and he was he was bullying me really. And uh, Jonesy went, I'll see you afterwards in the bar. <laughs> and he and he started swearing at him and saying, You scouts this and scouts that. So when I was in the bar, the other teams come in, you get the sandwiches out, and Kenny walked straight up to me, he said, Come on, me and you outside now. Yeah. He went, Oh, don't be like that. He went, No, come on, let's let's do it now. Let's sort it out. And he wouldn't go outside. He, he uh he was too afraid, really. <laughs> but these are the things that happened in, you know, in non-league football. The good old days. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You mentioned, I think your temperament is something I find really interesting because you are a tricky winger. And tricky wingers, pacey tricky wingers, are not usually known as hotheads. But mm. you, you're like, your temperament, they're like walking off, not getting a medal. Stuart Pearce called you the hardest player he ever came up against. And in, I think a lot of defenders would have said that in their time, that you were a hard man, yeah. <laughs> essentially. Did, what, where did that come from? Did you always have that? I'm one of seven, and uh, we, we, <laughs> we have to, we've had to fight for everything, you know, as uh, brothers and sisters and that. So um, I think it was just the way I was brought up, and to show no fear, really, uh, because you know someone's bigger than you. Uh, like James will tell you, he's a big lad, and he, he was hard as nails. But when you come up against a Stuart Pearce, like it, in them days. Every left back that more or less I played against was a psycho. <laughs> so you had Van Den, Van Den Ouw psycho, Mark Dennis psycho, Stuart Pearce psycho, 
<laughs> I ended up playing against Julian. He marked me in the Merseyside derby. He was a psycho. So yeah, you'd have to be a bit, a bit of a psycho to take him on because, you know, they were tough lads, especially Percy. You know did, what I mean? With his, oh, he used to pull yeah. his shorts up and show his thighs. Did that? Would that make you nervous playing? Or would it make you nervous playing no. against someone like that? Or no. would it raise your game a little bit? Just the opposite. It, it on, yeah, it on. yeah, I bet. I, was, I can see it. Because he done me the first time I played against him. He, he 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 went over the top. And he, the the tongue of my boot, he pierced that. So at half time, he stitched me up. And my thing was, well, I've got to get him back. So I was just waiting, <laughs> waiting, and you know, just waiting on his touch. And what he's doing, the ball's come in, and he's just mistimed it. And I've gone off my feet, and I've hit him that hard in the second half. I've hit him that hard. I thought, well, it made me shake. I thought yeah. it hurt me. And he got up and looked at me, and he must have thought. Where's this fella come from? <laughs> he shouldn't even be here. And then I crossed two balls with Cotty and he absolutely destroyed him. I think it was, I don't know, it's just a, I think the way I was brought up in a way that, you know, just to fight for everything, really. Have you, and heard, dominate. Have you heard that about Stuart Pearce that he said you were the hardest? Yeah, I had a, I hosted an event in Ipswich, Ipswich Theatre a few weeks ago and um, just me and him. And it was, it was interesting. Oh, so you're based now. Yeah, and he said he said to me, "What are you, my nemesis?" I said, "Don't be using big words, mate." <laughs> he said, "I could never get the better of you, but you know, that's a bit of honesty and it's a good accolade for me, really." Because yeah, it's a compliment. Yeah, yeah. Like, obviously, Percy. How many times he played for England? Oh, Four. a lot. A like lot. To, yeah. to come from somewhere like that, do you know what I mean? He was exactly, doing something yeah. right, mate. Yeah. But uh, you know, so <clears throat> Stuart was uh, very intimidating. Uh, you know, just to look at him, he's an intimidating man, but couldn't intimidate me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you made your way to Oldham and then eventually in the summer of 1985, a huge fee at the time of £250,000. Yeah. <clears> John Lyle signs you for West Ham. And there's, did you need much convincing? And how did, was John Lyle instrumental in convincing you? Chris, I didn't even have it. Uh, I had the two seasons and missed a game for Oldham. And when Joe Royal, the great Everton centre forward, great manager as well, he said, if you play one game, son, he said, £9,500 worth spending on a non-league player. And I said to him, I'll be your best player. And he just laughed. He said, if, if you make one appearance this season, and so on the Tuesday, I signed. And uh, I said to my dad after the first training session, dad, no one can get near me. I'm the best player. He went, Mark, you've only been there two seconds. Mm. <laughs> I said, so uh, we played behind closed doors, done really well in the game. And then on the Thursday, I said to my dad again, if he doesn't play me tomorrow, he's missing the boat here. So after training on the Friday, he, come up to me and he went so big Joe and he so I'm looking up at him he goes got some good news for you son I said what's that gaffer he said you're making your league debut tomorrow against Brighton I said I should think so as well <laughs> and he, he just tapped me on the head and I, I scored the winner in the last minute a diving header at the, the far post and uh, I always remember the first four games one man of the match and he he, he he was like he was he was a lovely man Joe but, you know, really good, caring, cared for these players. And he just grabbed hold of me, said, it's the best nine, nine and a half thousand pound I'll ever spend. Brilliant. And he, you know, he sold me for a quarter of a million two years later. So it was a good investment, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, how did John Lyle convince you to come to West Ham? Well, he didn't because the way things were done in them days, no agents. So I was looking to start the 85 season at Oldham. That was my third season. And I get a phone call off Joe. He said, he sat down, son, I went, no gaffer, why? He always got some news for you. I said, he said, you know, clubs have been after you. He said, you're going to, uh, we just agreed a fee of a quarter of a million for West Ham. You'll be a West Ham player. 
uh, in the next couple of days and you're going to make your debut for West Ham on, on Saturday. I just couldn't believe it. And he said, and John Lyle will be at your house within the hour to pick it up to take you to London. Wow. And that was, I didn't have any yeah. any time. And was, was Joe sort of happy for you to go though? Like, Yeah, because I think it was good money, you know what yeah. I mean? So, um, and he always said to me, there were, there were clubs interested, he said, but West Ham would be, the, a, you know, a great club for you. Brilliant. Because it's, you know, the way I played and he said, you'll fit in great there. And he, he, he had a lot of respect for John. So when John knocked on the door, with Eddie Bailey, Chief Scout, Dunne just bought this out, little two up, two down terrace thing in Liverpool. <laughs> and he goes, straight away, you know, first impressions on on people that you meet in football. This man just took, because my ex-wife then, Jane, just had a little baby, Melissa, and she was crying her eyes out, because it, it happened so quickly. So she was still crying when John knocked on the door. And straight away he said, put the kettle on some. I'll deal with this, sat down next to her, explained everything that was going to happen. She stopped crying, made them the tea. He said, uh, I always remember, he said, uh, I've just given a kid a pound in the street to, my, to Miami car. <laughs> uh, and a big jag, didn't he? So, and then before we knew it, we're in the car going to, you know, to, uh, I think we stayed in Epping. Well, so he's taking the missus down. You take your missus yeah, down. Yeah. But you all, you all, you had that phone call, Joe was it? And that was it. And he just yeah. off. Yeah, we just, just yeah. Melissa, what, were you chatting the whole ride down? Yeah, it was all about the games that Eddie Bailey had seen me playing. Uh, even the pre-season games, he'd watch me. He said because we like to see that. We we want to see if you're still having a go in the pre-season games. Yeah, yeah. He said, and he said you were just as you know uh, effective, and he took it serious. So they'd done the due diligence, and it was just a matter of you know me getting a good start. Really, that's brilliant. How did you find the bright lights of London? Well, I always remember the first day training in the gym and I never got a kick. And it's the first time in my life uh, that I, I was like thinking, am I going to be good enough? Because James will tell you, I had two centre-halves there, Gailey and Alvin. And like, Gailey was the ball player, but Alvin was a good player as well. And their ability on the ball hmm. from the other teams that I've played for, like there's no disrespect to the lads at Oldham, but they were proper defenders. And, they, you know, it was like clear the ball and defend first but these two were getting the ball and was just like like a midfielder yeah like midfield players and so I looked at them two and I thought I'm going to have to improve dramatically very very quickly and John played me against Birmingham for my debut it's not that I didn't have a good game but the whole team didn't play well and he, I thought he, he wouldn't play me on the Tuesday night game and he just pulled me to one side he said listen we're 100% about you and he, he just like he didn't have a good game but no one else did this is this is the st this is your stadium now. I've never I've never played at Upton Park before, and I, Alden got hold of me and said, "Listen, see that that over there? That's the chicken one." He said, "I'm giving you some advice." He said, "They will either make you or break you." He said, "They'll they won't suffer fools." He said, "They'll know, especially because you're that close to them, whether you're going in for a tackle or you're pulling out." But I don't think Alden knew about my game. At you know what I mean? That's what I was all about, really. But uh, yeah, what a fantastic! I played really well on the Tuesday, and I played in every game that season. So forty-two league appearances, yeah, right? Yeah. In a season like this, yeah. it's it's a small squad, famously that eighty-five, eighty-six season. But how did you do it? Your body must have been broken by the end of the season. Well, I've spoke about this before, and um, like I had two full seasons at Oldham, so I hadn't missed a game for three years. You know what I mean? So, but you, as a as a winger, you do get caught, and you do, but you, you know, centre halves as well. 
you're never a hundred percent, are you? No. You never, even even from the, the you know the first game of the season, you're always carrying something, a little strain or a, a bruise or something like that. But to me, people say about uh, was you tired? When you're winning games, yeah. I don't think tiredness comes into it. And we were going for the the big big prize, and we just ran out of games at the end of the season, and it, it was just an incredible season. We, I don't think anyone realised what was going to happen until after Christmas, and then I think we beat. Chelsea 4-0 away and it was a breathtaking performance, best away performance I've ever been involved in. Uh, Frank Dev scored one from 30 yards, which was it. I've never seen him shoot like that Such before. Such a good goal. Gailey said he, it's an assist. He got fouled. He got <laughs> fouled on the halfway line. There was no no grass on the pitch. We had that white Avco. Uh, the cars behind the goal. Yeah. yeah. So Gailey just got the ball and just tapped it to Dev and Dev just went on amazing, didn't he? And as he did and Last one in from 30 yards, but it was just a, a fantastic uh, all-round team performance, really. Is, is there is this the season that keeps you up at night? Like, when you go to bed, you close your eyes, is, is this the one that haunts you a little bit? That... Yeah, yeah, it does. And, and I think all the lads are the same. You know, it's the highest the club have ever finished. And there's been some great teams after us. Uh, and you'd always think, maybe if I'd have done that a little bit differently, if I hadn't have done this or, and that. And you know, because it's, it's like at that level, Liverpool were a fantastic side at that time and Everton were powerful as well. So to push them to the last game of the season, they beat Chelsea and if they hadn't beat Chelsea, it would have been West Ham Everton, my two clubs for the on the Monday. <laughs> but I think that game would have been different. Everton did beat us and we finished third, but we were playing like Saturday, Monday, Thursday. We, did, we didn't play for six weeks because of the, the bad weather. So we had six, six weeks without playing a game. So just, you know, ticking over and then all the games come thick and fast. But I'd rather play than train yeah. with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Can't imagine that now. I know. Imagine like having six and then having wouldn't to happen, the, you know, we, we are managers, current managers, moaning about how oh, many games yeah. there are. Imagine, imagine that. <sighs> like six weeks off and then trying to get the games in before the end of the season. Yeah. I mean. But we played, I think we, it was the season Ipswich, we played them, I think that was four times because we kept on drawing in the cup. It was a nightmare. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then when we beat them, we eventually beat them and it was it was snow with an orange ball in them days, you know what I mean? So and it was we should never have played the game. It was like what it was like rock hard the ice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um no saw heating in those days, of course. No. But Everton were in the title race with us. Was there a part of you at the time that really wanted to finish above Everton, given what you'd been through as a kid or I wasn't like a, I knew at the time at eighteen I wasn't good enough. And they didn't give me, they didn't give me, it was uh, Gordon Lee, the manager, who'd made the decision and then Howard come in. And I played in a testimonial game with Andy King and Bob Latsford and all the, the stars in Yorkshire. I think it was uh, Halifax, something like that. And I played really well. And and Howard said to the coaching staff, are we sure about this this lad? Because he was the best player on the pitch. And he went, well... It's, it's not his ability, it's his physique. Still on about him. So yeah. I had to work on that. And uh, the, uh, my old manager, Johnny King, he was the manager at Tramia, done really well there. He helped me. Uh, used to throw medicine balls at me and everything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just to get me strong. And with the getting the strength, uh, I've become very, very quick. And without that pace, I would I don't think I'd have ever made it at the top. I needed, I needed that pace to, to get away, you know what I mean, from the, the defenders. Yeah. Well, uh, that 
the star, what some of the stars of the eight five eight six season are at the top of the pitch. You've got you on the wing, and then McAvenny and Cotty up front. Yeah. And as a partnership, it just it blew all the other partnerships in the in the top flight away at the time, including the likes of like Liverpool Rush. Mm-hmm. Um, how good were McAvenny and Cotty that season? They were brilliant, and they, they they worked together in a way where Tony was just the fi- let's get it right. Tony was the uh, the finisher, as we say. Yeah inside the box and he was always there and it's you know you can't like I don't think you can coach that he's, he was just deadly Frank Frank signed as a midfield player didn't he or to play in the hole and I always said well you always like to play in the hole Frank you know what I mean so, <laughs> but when Sarge got uh, injured John just went go on get up there so we you know and Frank just loved it didn't he and, that's, and that was he, in a like two up top like, yeah what it would be yeah. like two up top Frank and, with and Dev, Tony yeah Devonshire was just Incredible player. Every, I love every kind of West Ham player of the 80s says this about Dev. I, oh. I would say he's the favourite player of West Ham teams from the 80s. Every, every, would you agree with that? Best Dev? player I've played with, I'd say that. And I played with some good, good players over the years, but he was the best. He's another one who came out of non-league. He was a forklift truck driver on the Friday and a yeah. top flight football. Went for the Hoover, didn't he? <laughs> Did said, he? Hoover, yeah. I said he cleaned up there, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> We're getting the but best of all the one line. <laughs> ego, he's like, um, you know, Dev, for five grand, £5,000 he I cost. Mean, it's unreal, isn't it? Yeah, it'd be like... That's probably less than the forklift he was driving yeah, yeah. at the time. It's the decider. Be there as West Ham United attempt to secure a spot in the last 16 of the UEFA Europa League against SC Freiburg on Thursday the 14th of December at 8pm in a match that will determine who finishes top of the group. It's all to play for in another huge night under the lights at London Stadium. Tickets start at just £35 for adults and £15 for juniors. Get yours now at eticketing.co.uk forward slash WHUFC or by calling 0333-030-1966. Well, I mean, like, I, I, when I have interviews and speak about moving to West Ham, I know it was a few years later. Did you have, did you love the club straight away? I know we speak and I'm mm. fortunate enough to spend a lot of time with Wardy now, like because of the ambassador stuff and that. Did you have that real, I say it because I think it was, it, East London seemed like it was similar to where I grew up, bit yeah. working class, bit gritty. Did you have that sort of feeling when you signed? Straight away, uh, Alvin being a scouser as well, yeah. and he was a great captain. And he obviously, we were only young coming down, and uh, Jane was missing a mum, and, and she was always back up. So I was going to Alvin's a couple of nights a week to have me dinner. Oh, were you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, he's a good man. And he? it, <laughs> I think uh, at the time, it was a real family club. You know what I mean? Every Everyone was just you know, just there to help you in, in any way. And it, John's door was always, I remember saying to him, Jane was a handful, she, she, I can't live down here, missing me mum, this, that and the other. I said, well, what do you want me to do? I said, I've got in the team and, and playing well, playing really good football. I said, she said, you're going to have to speak to John. And I went, so, so I had to, six weeks of being at the club and I went in and knocked on his door. He said, come in some. So I said, John, I've got a, got a problem. And he, and he goes, what is it? I said, Jane wants us to move back to Liverpool. He went, I'll be at your house tonight <laughs> at six o'clock. I've got the manager coming round now tonight. She went, why, why is he he's coming here to speak to you? <laughs> six o'clock on the dot. He, John was brilliant at dealing with things other than football. You know what I mean? It's just like, he was the best. Knocks on the door. 
And as we're walking uh, down the hallway, she's in the living room and he pops his head round. He said, now my lady, what's wrong with you? And she starts, he said, you can turn them taps off. He's going nowhere. You put the kettle on. <laughs> so I was like, putting the kettle on. He sat there and she was just like, just, uh, what What happened in the end? I got a 200 pound rise. I'd only got <laughs> Incredible. He went, he went, right. She went, well, we just moved into this house. It's it's 80 grand and the, the mortgage and this, that, and the other. And he went, listen, we'll sort this out. He's had a good start. He said, what if I give him another 200 pound a week? He said, and she just starts smiling. It's another pair of shoes for her, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, that's beyond his time, so that's sort yeah. of dealing. Yeah, that's... I mean, like as a manager to come. It's brilliant. Don't think you'd Took see it in own... modern days, but to, to, to be able to come in and speak to family like that is unbelievable. James, what he did, he, he used to say, right, we were in the hotel before we bought the house and he, he, so I'd go with him to the hotel, pick Jane and he'd take us all around the estate agents, Louts and Epping and all that, like for hours and like drop us back off. And, 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 and I think that sort of manager, he was, but like Howard, you'd want to do, you run through a brick wall for John Lyle. I would have done. Yeah. You know what I mean? He was just an amazing guy. And, and I think I'll, that's why, I think that season, we just gelled together for some reason. You know, there's only Sammy and Frank. And uh, Alvin always says, they sound, sound two players, one from Glasgow and one from Liverpool. They were a lot alike, where they were winners. They were very aggressive. They were very, very quick. And they didn't give a hoot about anybody or anything. So, you know, that season couldn't have gone any better. Like when you think Tony and Frank scored 58 between them. Mad, goals, unbelievable. So 86, we nearly win the league, but a year later, we begin this kind of downward slide that progresses through the rest of the 80s. And I wondered, Wardy, if I gave you a time machine and took you back to the summer of 86 and I'd said, you could sit down with John Lyle, what would you tell him? What would you tell him? What could we have done differently to build on the achievements of 86? Well, it's only to uh, reinforce the squad. And he didn't get any money, really, realistically. He didn't get any money to, you know, we finished third. Like, we had a very small squad anyway. So the, the team picked itself, you know what I mean? There was no one really to, to uh, be behind Frank and Tony up front. Mm. And you do, players do get complacent, don't they? And I think that the problem that the club had or what uh, John's problem was that he never never got any money to uh, yeah. invest in the, in the, in the squad. It's, it'd be unheard of now, wouldn't it? You know what I mean? They don't think <laughs> he got any money the season yeah, after. That's unbelievable. Um, that following season, though, there's a few players emerge from the academy. Kevin Keane, who was on a, a recent episode of Ironcast, but also Paul Ince and Steve Potts, who had gone to captain the club. Yeah. Do you remember seeing those players in training and did you have an appreciation for how good they were going to be immediately? Yeah, without well, a doubt, uh, especially Ince. Paul had, you know, he was, uh, Paul didn't have a car, so I'd take him if he needed a dentist and all that. So, you you just knew straight away. He had this uh, he had this arrogance about him, and he, uh, so when he when he got into the uh, first team training sessions and that, and he got into the dressing room, I always remember Liam Brady, the, the legend Liam Brady, come from Italy, and he's up against Liam, and then he goes into a tackle, doesn't foul him, dead strong, wins the ball, beats another player. Bangs it in the top corner. Unbelievable skill. Had everything. And he turned around to Liam and went, you used to be the top man, but I'm the top man. <laughs> Did he? And I went. How old was he then? He was, what, 18? Wow. So, <laughs> but you know what, yourself, James, is like, you, you, 
I've, I'm very respectful, especially of the older players. Mm. And then he had to be told, you know, by Settle Alden. Down. Settle down, Sam. Can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> how, uh, do you, how do you contain uh, like a player like Paul Ince? Like Because that ego is kind of what drove him on, I think. Well, to be a... yeah, you, listen, it's, it's, you don't want to stop him being the player he, he, mm. he, he was, but it all comes to a head with him because he was getting really lippy and, and that. And we were playing Luton away. And Alvin was, he was playing centre mid and he'd give the ball away cheaply. And I always remember Alvin saying this, Inti, tighten up, don't be giving the ball away. Easy, too easy. And he's turned around and the worst words he could have said, F off, you scouse. Really? <laughs> right. I bet Alvin took that well. <laughs> I'll tell you what he done. And we're getting beat. So at half time, I'm behind Inti and then Alvin comes up behind me and just pushing me to one side, turns him round Push, pulls him up, right, by his throat, up against the wall, and butts him. <laughs> I swear to God, butts him right in the nose, claret everywhere. He just fell to the floor. Don't ever speak to me like that again. Right, so the security picked him up. He was crying. So he gets ushered into the, <laughs> to the dressing room, and there's blood coming out of his nose. John Lyle comes in and goes, what's going on here? Alvin went, John, it's all right, I've sorted, sorted it. it. And John never said a word. But he learned the hard way. Did he play on, didn't he? Yeah. Is that half time? Yeah, yeah, half time. He, he, come on, we got beat that day. But it was to me, that's things, you know, you sometimes in life you've got to do you've got to do things. The, the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> the it sounds 80s. right up my street. Oh, I'm not really like it. It sounds like 80s. I would have fitted in nicely, Wardy, in your well, team. He, I, think. I think you know, we learnt a lot from that. Yeah. 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 Um Julian Dix joined the club in 88. Yeah. Um, what was he? I imagine the two of you got on. <sighs> he just kicked everyone in training. So <laughs> ruthless. I mean, going over the top and everything. So, and obviously I was up. Really? He was doing that in yeah. even to his own Yeah, his a proper bu bully-like. So um, we were up in a, in a training session. And so I'm right side and he was left, left side. So there's always going to be problems, wasn't there? <laughs> anyway, he does me, and then I just we end up fighting. So John sends uh, Julian in. I'm on the side. He said, "I'll see you in my office after training." So it's like the headmaster, wasn't he? So, but outside, and I'm just looking at him, and he's looking at me, and there's animosity. You know what I mean? Because I couldn't have my own players, you know, trying to injure. And this is what he was like. He was like I always thought they had a screw loose. You know what I mean? He was he was naughty, and we spoke about this. So. Uh, Anyway, we get into the uh, John's office. He said, I've got a problem here. He said, two of my best players, someone's leg's going to be broken. And Julian went, as he would, well, it's not going to be mine. <laughs> and I went, Go at looked it at my dad and went, I've had a good think about this. He said, from now on, you're rooming together. Oh, did he? That's, it's genius. That was, yeah, I've heard he it. Said, yeah, and he said, and you've got to be on the same side in training That's to protect. Sensible. And yeah. in the back of my mind, I wasn't scared of him, but I was thinking, well, it's... Well, you it's, ain't going to pull out of a tackle. You no, ain't going to pull exactly, out. It's yeah, going to happen, isn't it? But James, some of the tackles, man, yeah. it was just like, you know what I mean? So Was he quite... Sorry to interrupt you. Was, was he quite quiet, Dixie? Julian. The, like when he wasn't yeah, training and yeah, that? Yeah, very. Yeah. Honestly, Because he came in like, with Slav, obviously, didn't yeah, he, as coach? And then he... I used to know him as a player and yeah. like you say, I knew he was ferocious to say the least, but yeah. I find it like he was quite chilled. I don't know if that came with age or what he was, he was very chilled off the pitch. Yeah. Very, uh, 
you know, humble, humble in loads yeah. of ways. You know what I mean? He, he was like, so I ended up having to room with him. <laughs> now the first couple of, well, I always remember the first one. We didn't stay in the, the best hotels, so the two single beds there. And I always remember like the little wire, we you know, the remote control on. Like, so I get on my bed and he's on his, and he just goes and snaps it off the wall. So he snaps it. So we can't use the remote control now. <laughs> so I went, that's all right, isn't it? <laughs> I said, we've got to get up now to, you know, change the, turn the telly over. And he just went with the remote, <laughs> threw it, and it went, Right on the corner, right into my head. And my head, my head just went, <laughs> next minute we're fighting and Alvin comes in. It was just a nightmare. He burnt me with an iron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, it sounds absolute <laughs> carnage. Oh, And then you was getting on though. You was like... We ended up being really, you know what I mean? I've done loads of events with Julian and all that. And it was when we reminisce about, you know, the things that we did. The, the iron thing, one, that was, that was a big problem for me because he's ironing his shirt. I'm in the shower. So I come out giving it all that like that. I said, leave that, up, leave the iron up there. And as I walked past him, he's, he's got you. the iron and just gone bang, right on my ass. <laughs> I had, I had a, a, a V like that. The skin was on the, the skin oh, stuck, on the was iron. On his, stuck on the iron. So I'm screaming, gone to the window. Like, and I'm going, ah! and he's looking at me like that. So I've gone to get him then, haven't I? Then he's going like this. It hasn't come in there. I'm thinking, I'm going to get a V. <laughs> Home I'm alone. home alone. <laughs> and I thought, he's going to do me again. Ah, I should just back off. But these are the things. It was that... a bit of like a, I don't want to say power struggle, but you were two big players. Do you know what I mean? Was it like, sort of, was it, would that have been a part of it? I think was... we respected each other because Julian was a very, very good player. And uh, I think when you look at his game, I played against him once and, and he was marking me for, I was at, playing for Everton, he was playing for Liverpool. And I said to him in the tunnel, I said, I'm going to destroy you today. Because it was my derby, you know, it meant a lot to me to play in the derby. And I scored, Cotty scored, and we beat Liverpool. We battered them, actually. But uh, I always say to him, it's the only time we ever played against each other in, you know, top level, right? And uh, I said, I'd love to play against you every week. I said, <laughs> and he, he says, that was a one-off. That was my debut. I was nervous. But he had a good game, actually. He nearly scored a, a screamer in the top corner, but... Yeah, we, we ended up having to respect each other. And John's, like you said, the, his genius, really. Yeah. Because I think the, without rooming together and getting to know each other, and it's iron out, iron out <laughs> all the things that we were, you know, we ended up being really good mates. Well, yeah. it sounded like John had to do something because it sounds yeah. like you would have killed each other. Oh, not... Yeah. Because and it what, worked what I was, you see, it was not just me, it was everyone. Yeah you know, going over the top and everyone's... That's probably why you're so so successful now. I always say, I always try to train yeah. how I played. You know, you see, yeah. you're certainly probably in your yeah. day as well, Woody, there was players who you'd think, how is he training like that through the week? But then come Saturday, he'd probably be the best player. Yeah. But I think me and No certainly at our time, we tried to get everyone to train, maybe not the tackling that used to go on in more these days, yeah. but try and train as if you're playing. Yeah. And I think that might be a thing at West Ham because the training, I remember tackles and fights in training even when i was there but i think it might be a thing at the club that you've yeah. got to train flat out every day yeah because it, it's it's that i was because of my size and all that fitness was a massive part of my game my, my dad said to me don't let fitness uh like he's my my sort of thing when i went out was to destroy my opponents and i always thought if i destroy you know the midfield player or the fullback and get the better of them and we all do that around the pitch mm. six of us you know 
got more of a chance of winning the game, haven't you? Dominate your opponents, and uh, that's what all I, you know, looked at. And then if if I'm dominating the opponents, help help your teammates out as well. And I think it was just a, a way that I was taught through my dad and that, you know what I mean? Back on Julian Dix, can you believe he became a senior member of the coaching staff in Ginger's period? Because it seems like the player you played with. I think, listen, Julian played a lot of lot of football and he, he had terrible injuries and his, his knees, it's one of the worst knees I've seen and yeah. he, he hopefully he'll get it done. I know he's gone back to America. But uh, hard as nails. I mean, and I what a left foot. I oh, mean, it's wand. like a wand. It must have been such a pleasure to play with him, you know, be in on a match day. Yeah. If the you know, aside from the training, to have a play like that on your side must have made you feel Yeah, listen, Julian didn't have any pace. And for the for not having the pace that he had and because he was a left back and he never got exploited. He'd read the game so well. He could play he could come inside and play as centre half as well and and uh, his tackling was uh, exceptional. You know what I mean? So but I've seen some of them and it's like it's ridiculous. You know, you'd just be <laughs> exceptional be when he won yeah. the ball. Maybe <laughs> yeah. not, not all the time. Yeah. So summer of '88, Tony Cotty leaves, and then '89, um, we get relegated, and John Lyle leaves. Mm. Lou Macari comes in. His attitude when he comes to the club was just like the West Ham way. What is the West Ham way? Well, we all know we all want to try and play the game the right way. But he said, "I could never get the ball off Parksy. Parksy's got to kick it. Parksy couldn't kick it because he had an arthritic knee." He used to throw it out all the time. He said, so I, I, you know, I'd come deep and he'd throw, if it broke down on the left, he'd just throw it out to me like that. Couldn't get that. We all had to go up to the halfway line. So straight away, he was trying to change things his way, you know, and, uh, you know, I would never have left the club only for him coming because if it put Bonzo in charge or someone within the club, I'd have, I'd have stayed because I was happy. I was happy at West Ham. Oh, it's and heartbreaking, but interesting. You're a, interesting part of West Ham history and that the way you leave you leave and Trevor, Trevor Morley and Ian Bishop come the other way Ian Bishop being a fellow scouser so I mean those those two went on to have a great West Ham career we've got you to thank yeah. for that you're worth yeah. you are worth Bishop and Morley yeah it's, yeah. well I'm, when Howard rang I was going to go to uh, just to get out the club because of Macari uh, John Toshak the great Liverpool player he wanted to sign me for Real Sociedad and mm. uh, it was nearly done the deal it was just over Christmas and I get a phone call, 11 o'clock at night, Peter Reid. Bordy, got someone here to speak to you. Mark, Howard Kendall. And it was like, obviously what he did in the 80s. He, was just, he said, uh, I've just took over this Man City. He said, I need a team full of scousers to keep them up. That's what he said to me. Really? I've got me general. So we got Reedy. <laughs> Reedy said, you're one of the best in the, in the business at this moment in time. He said, and he got like, he had to get all the evidence. Because... They were nine points adrift at the bottom. They'd just been beaten at eight nil. They were all kids, really. So I said to him, well, you're sending a scouser that way, meaning Bish. And he went, he can't do what you can do, son. He said, that's why he's <laughs> going that way. <laughs> so, that's why he's off. Yeah. So, you know, Howard did a great job, kept them up and uh, stopped the goals going in, put Alan Harper as a sweeper because the back four was leaking terrible. So we're getting draws. And I always say that was one of his best achievements because you, you know when you're taking it over the team at christmas and the nine points they're dead and buried really yeah yeah and his his sort of he couldn't gamble in the transfer market he had to get the lads in that could do the job then then not improve at the end of the season there and then and he got like the city fans didn't like it but i always i always mentioned to him listen 
don't forget them scousers kept you up. <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't like it. That goes down well. No, I done it on the stage. They have a, like a, a big stage, don't they? It's like you go out there. So uh, they invite me back, and I said to me, he, he said, "Be careful what you say out there." He said, "Cause I know what you like." <laughs> so they said, "How did you uh, tell all the fans? About five thousand there. Um, it's all done proper." And he, he, the guy said to me, "Can you just tell the fans how it, how it come about?" I said, "You really want to know?" And I said, "Said that." I said, "Howard Kendall rang me, and he said he needs a team full of scouts to keep them up." <laughs> And they just booed. I just went, I had to go. You know, when you think on your feet, I, I thought, calm down, calm down. <laughs> listen, just listen to me. You know, when you won the league the, the, the other year and Aguero scored that, I said, I was jumping up. I said, this this club was a stepping stone for me to go back to Everton. I said, and, you know, the manager did a great job. And, you know, you've always got to remember that. I said, whether it was Scousers or whoever, but... You know, you he up. brought the scousers in because they're the, they're the lads he trusted. Uh, interesting little footnote to that move is that in your first six games for City, four of them against Millwall. Yeah. What kind of well, what kind of reaction well, did you get from the Millwall fans? Well, he he, uh, he debuted. He put me in the centre midfield with Reedy because we had a great winger, David White, uh, quick. Mm. So and Reedy could only pass the ball five yards. He, he couldn't get the ball and ping it, Reedy. But he was a great player at what he did. And I would say, just get it and give it to him, and he'll. And I enjoyed it. But, uh, but Terry Airlock was trying to, you know, double up on me. And Reedy just, you know, he, he played for England, Reedy, and he was very, very good at winning the ball and just like one touch, put, you know, perfect passes. So the player who was get, receiving that ball could just, you know, put it out to the wing. It was just brilliant to play with. Uh, we're out of time, Wardy. But this, there is definitely a need for a part two must. to this interview because I don't feel but we've even part two. Me? I mean, I, wanted to I was just saying, I'm sat here listening, thinking we could be here all night doing this. Yeah, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah, and uh, talk about me, me the, the prison team, and yeah, I mean, done. got a trophy, and you've got the best autobiography title of any footballer I'm aware of. From yeah. uh, was it right wing to B wing? Yeah, incredible, incredible. Yeah. an incredible story that's still to be told. Wardy. The B wing, the Bronx. Oh, yeah, we'll hear all about that very yeah. soon, I'm sure. But for now, thank you for joining us, Mike Wardy. Thanks, Chris. I mean, what Thanks, a story! James. And like I say, there's still more to hear on that. Ginge, brilliant. Like I've just I've said much. in the pod, I've and. I spent a bit of time here since I've retired and we're both doing the ambassador stuff and it's, yeah. it's just a pleasure every time I'm with Wardy and this. thanks for coming on mate you've been brilliant thanks. yeah brilliant and thanks thank soon. you for listening until next week come on you irons Sports Social Podcast Network